Welcome to the Westside Investors Network. Win your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments or take any other action. Welcome back to another episode of the Deal Deep Dive segment on the Westside Investors Network podcast. I'm your host, Trent Werner. In this segment, our featured guests will share their unique stories on a specific deal they've invested in. We will dive deep into finding the deal, financing the deal, writing an offer, and the due diligence. Do us a solid and smash that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this episode. And now, let's dive deep. Welcome back to another Westside Investors Network podcast. I'm your host, Trent Werner. On today's Deal Deep Dive episode, we are joined by Bronson Hill. Bronson is the managing member of Bronson Equity and is a general partner in 2,000 multifamily units worth over $200 million. Bronson is the host of the Mailbox Money podcast and has also raised over $35 million for real estate and ATM machine fund deals. Now let's welcome Bronson Hill. All right, Bronson, thank you for joining us on the Westside Investors Network channel today. I'm looking forward to talking about ATM investing as well as car wash investing. Before we dive into that, I'd love to hear how you started Bronson Equity and how you got to where you are today. Awesome, Trent. Excited to be here, man. Yeah, so I started you know, years ago. I had a, a rental house that was in another state that I had moved to this other state for a job and ended up just kind of having this house and keeping it. So years later, I thought, man, this has been, it's turned out, okay, I'm getting a little bit of cash flow from this. Why don't I start buying homes in another state? So I did more of that, several more in another state with a partner. And then I realized it was a lot of work. You know, It was really a lot of work to try to scale that up. I wasn't really getting the kind of cash flow I thought I was going to get. And there's a saying, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So my teacher was a relative who had been doing multifamily for many years. And they basically said, well, how about, you know, instead of doing all this single family, why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And he said, well, you can raise the money. So I learned about syndication. I uh, learned about, you know, how you can help other people that, you know, they have the desire to get into investments. They just typically don't have, you know, they have the money. They just don't have the way of the time to be able to do it. So if you can create something that's a win-win, it's a way you can help them scale wealth and you can scale your wealth as well. So now I've had 1,500 one-on-one phone calls with investors for the last four years. We've raised about $35 million for multifamily and other types of alternative assets. And it's been a lot of fun. So it sounds, I mean, you're the managing partner of Bronson Equity, and it sounds like your focus is the capital raising. Aside from capital raising, are you still analyzing deals and out finding the investments, or do you have a team around you that does that? So we, it looks a little different depending on the asset, our multifamily stuff. You know, I tell people like in general, we do teach people how to raise capital. I'm working with a group called Kingdom REI, which is a faith-based group, and we work with people to help raise money for big deals. But we tell people basically, when you're working with multifamilies, you're not just a capital raiser. You really shouldn't just only be focused on capital raising. Typically, we're not usually the ones finding the deal, but we will go to a property. We'll do our own you know, underwriting. We'll you know, walk properties, walk competing properties. We'll typically invest our own money, invest my own money in a deal, risk capital, or even invest in the deal. We will be a part of the asset management, even though typically we're not the main asset manager. And then we raise money, which is you know capital raising. And the other side of capital raising is investor relations. 
but those aren't the same thing, right? Just bringing capital are different than investor relations is after a deal closes with the reporting and things like that. So we're typically a part of almost the entire process of the multifamily side. Some of these other assets were more of a fund of funds where we are bringing capital and we're doing some diligence on it and getting into it that way, but we're not part of the direct management of the ATM fund or a direct management of a car wash or things like that. It's more other partners that are doing that. Okay. Okay. And then, I mean, you, it seems like a lot of people start by a single family house or small multifamily and then graduate into the larger multifamily assets. When you got to the larger multifamily assets, and it sounds like you still do multifamily investing, how did you go from multifamily to then ATMs and car washes? That's interesting. I think for a lot of people, we kind of wonder, how do you get from here to there? What's the reason you even want to do that? Like, Why would you want to make that switch? And I think I had some friends doing the ATM machine investing years ago, and I thought, oh, it's interesting. I don't know if it's really for me, but then I, because of the persons, you know, had been doing this for years, they said, actually, you should look into it. So I looked in and I thought, okay, I'll invest some money. And so I invested as an LP. And then I liked it so much that I thought, man, you know, after a year or two, I was like, I really want to bring investors to this. So I reached out and said, hey, can I, you know, be a part of this and let, you know, my investors in on this as well. And it's just been an awesome, you know, cash flowing investment. I think the last, since March of, you know, 2022, when the Fed started raising rates, We've watched it in real estate. It's gotten, it's changed, right? The market has changed significantly. So rates, you know, people are getting, you know, 3% or something below 3%, you know, debt on bridge or long-term. Now it's, you know, six, seven, 8%. Like it's a much higher rate people are getting. And so just, you know, understanding, okay, this is where we're at. This is where we want to go. Is, is just, you know, what's the point? What are we trying to do? We were talking about this a little bit before we started trying, you know, a lot of the multifamily deals that we saw, they were cash flowing really nice for a while, even deals that are going great, but all of a sudden because of higher interest costs, because of higher, you know, costs in insurance and costs in labor and materials, the cash flow has got squeezed in those. So if your goal is cash flow, which most investors have cash flow goals, it's like appreciation is great, but they want cash flow. There's not a lot of deals. There are some, but there's not a lot of deals that really produce a lot of cash flow that are actually in real estate, right? Well, yeah, especially with a lot of the variable rates and everything like right now, you got to have cash flow to pay your investors. And so with that squeeze, I know a lot of GPs have delayed some of the quarterly or monthly payments to their investors because it's gotten squeezed so much. One question I have for you about the ATM side of things before we get into the car washes is I've used an ATM and had to pay the $3 fee or, or whatever it is. And you said it's a good investment. I'm curious, how many ATMs does the fund that or the GP that you've invested with have in order to produce a return that's sizable? Because I mean, I've only used the ATM and had to pay the fee a handful of times, right? And I'm curious, how many do they have if you know? And is it across multiple states? Is it in one local market? How does that work? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, the ATM space is interesting because most of the people that invest in ATMs never use ATMs and pay a fee. And so it's easy to think, well, nobody uses ATMs. I don't use ATMs. Like I'm paid a fee on an ATM in five or 10 years, right? So it must be nobody's doing this. But in reality, the FDIC came out with a report last year that said 4.5% of households in the US, not a single person in that house has a bank account, Hmm. right? So this means like one in 25 houses, there's not a single person that even has a bank account. So you think about who is using these, it's immigrants, it's people that work for cash under the table, it's people maybe they're getting wages garnered because of some sort of divorce or settlement or something they wanna operate in cash. And then you go take that number, there's also an additional another 20% that we consider underbanked. And they're using things like payday loans and credit card debt and other things like in a, in a very 
like, like not a wise way, right? So a $2 fee or a $2 fee on a $100 withdrawal is not a big deal. So it's the cost of doing business, the cost of transacting. So in a good location, you'll get, you know, it happens very quickly. Somebody will come in and within 60 seconds, they'll be out of there. But at a gas station or at a restaurant or hotel, there could be at a good location, 500 transactions in a single day, right? So at two, three bucks a pop, and you, and you put that over a month, over a year, that's a lot. So the group we work with, they're the fourth largest operator of ATM machines in the country. There's over 50,000 ATMs in about 10 different states. And so they have a lot of experience. There's a big, you know, operating, you know, footprint and everything. And so, but it is interesting that as much as we're going digital, there's this group that is just using more and more cash. And we've seen the number of transactions about double in the last 20 years. So again, it's just like, it's hard to even think, how is this even, well, how is this happening, right? Well, just because you and I aren't part of that, it's just, that's where some people kind of get stuck, hung up on it. But when we're seeing like cash usage is actually going up significantly, it changes a bit. So it's interesting. I mean, that is not what I expected the answer to be, but it makes sense once you explained it a little bit. In 50,000 ATMs, when you start adding up numbers on that, it's probably scalable <laughs> and that's why they're yeah. still doing it. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. And if you work with good operators in any field it is, I mean, you've got to really ask hard questions. You've got to kick tires. You've got to have, you know, some diligence where you really feel like, hey, in that case, you know, how do you know these ATMs are real? And how do you know they're actually buying? How do you know the contracts are in place? How do you know the money's there? So all those things are things that are on the diligence side of just making sure that you're doing your part as an investor and as an operator or a partner. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Get things done while you're on the move. Learn more about working with a virtual assistant through offsite professionals. It's a great way to get all the things done that you need to get done. Have freedom in your time and streamline your life by automating your business. Stop spending time on the tasks that you can delegate and start spending more time on your superpower. Call us today at 503-446-3177 or visit our website at offsiteprofessionals.com. Uptown Syndication is now offering a syndication coaching program for you to take your real estate portfolio to the next level. This is your opportunity to have experienced syndicators, AJ and Chris Shepard, coach you on your way to controlling your real estate investing future. Our coaching program will provide you with the tools and framework needed to begin syndicating real estate in your target market. Go to uptownsyndication.com today to learn more. Obviously, numbers don't lie. It sounds like you have a close relationship with someone that's been investing and understands the space maybe more than you did at the beginning. When you started underwriting or analyzing the ATM space, and I know you said you invested your own personal capital in it as well. How did you analyze that coming from multifamily? Was it similar? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I talk about this in my book. My book is coming out in September. It's called Fire Yourself, Replace Your Passive in or your, your Active Income with Passive Income in Three Years or Less. And it's just basically like, how do you analyze deals, right? So I think multifamily, you and I are familiar with it. For a lot of people, I call it, it's like the gateway investment, right? It's like the thing that's like the gateway drug. You start with this and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm addicted to this. It's amazing, you know, yeah. because, you know, people understand it. You have a certain level of cash flow, you get appreciation, you understand how deal works. Well, every asset class has things like that. So you've got whatever the market it is, whether it's, there's kind of three things where you've got the market, the operator and the deal. So the market's up here and it could be, you know, okay, there's the market we're buying in Jacksonville, Florida, or you're buying in Portland, Oregon, or whatever markets you guys buy in. So it's like this certain market, is it growing? You know, what are the risks in that market? Is it, you know, if you're just in the right market, you're gonna do really well just because you're in the right area generally. Now, below that, you know, if you're in like a terrible market that's shrinking or some big issue with it, or like we don't buy in California, even though I live in California, 
there's rent controls, there's other issues, there's legal, there's all kinds of stuff there that I don't want to touch it, right? But you know, there's people that do, and that's their niche. So we find what market is it? What's what are the benefits of it? Even with the ATM space, so we found, hey, this actually when we looked at it, we actually feel like it's pretty stable. We see, you know, there's some risk of people stopping to use cash or central bank digital currency. Or there's always those are risks there, but I think there's reasons why I think those are mitigated. And then the second thing is who's the operating team, right? Who's been doing it? How long have they been doing? It? Is this similar to what they've done before? Like in this ATM deal, we've got a long track record. You know, we've got 11 years of experience without a single preferred monthly return payment being missed. So we've got a lot of track record there, right? And we can get a different elements of the team. And then the last thing really is the deal itself. Does the deal make sense? And I think in any deal and any asset you look at, Trent, it's just important to figure out like, well, what are the ways that I could lose money as an investor? And if you haven't figured out how you could lose money, you haven't looked hard enough because there's always a way you could lose money. There's always a way it could go not according to plan. It could be less, you know, but if you figure out, okay, here's kind of the one or two primary risks that I think these are the ways this could not go well, then, you know, you've kind of got a picture of, okay, you, the market is a good market. The team, this is similar to what they've done before. They've got a lot of experience. They've got this, their values are similar. And then also the deal itself makes sense to me how I'd make money. And also I understand, I feel like I understand how I can lose money, Right. So I think those are kind of the big things when it comes to any asset, but I'm not sure if that exactly answers your question, but kind of gets in a little bit of the, how you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I was asking that question because I kind of wanted to segue that into car washes. Cause I mean, when you're analyzing a multifamily asset, you're basically analyzing the property as a business, right? And when you're analyzing car washes or an ATM business, I'm assuming it's, there's certain things that are similar, obviously with a business versus a property, there's probably some differences. I was curious what those differences are, if there are any glaring differences when you're looking at those. Yeah. I mean, everyone is different. I think the ATM deal, at least the one that we've worked with for years has been, you know, there's no big lump sum at the end. So again, a multifamily deal is you have typically a property that's worth more than what you paid for it. You'll sell it in three to five years or more. And you'll have this big lump sum at the end. The ATM machine, it's like you get such a heavy payout that it pays for 84 months on the preferred return. And then it just one day, there's a small salvage value that's like, you know, a 1% of what you put in. It's like a small amount and then it's done, right? So you kind of get paid, 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 and then it stops, right? It's very different than a multifamily or other deals. The car wash deal is interesting. And I put it in the category of something we call a private equity roll-up strategy. And what this means is that, like, you know, if you have a car wash or a gas station or a dental practice or something like this, you can sell one of those for whatever the multiple is, you know, eight to 10 times earnings, you know, eight to 10 times EBITDA. And so you'll sell that right to another person who wants to buy it. If you've got 50 of them, though, that are similar of the same type, maybe it's the same type of like the same franchise of car washes, or it's the same brand of gas station or something, you can sell them sometimes for 20 to 30 times earnings, right? So it's interesting that there's this multiple that's created instead of eight to 10 times, it's 20 to 30 times. You get two to three times as much just simply for rolling them up together in a package. So what we're doing is we have a well-known, it's of all franchises, they rate car washes with basically, they rank them, you know, of which, not car washes, but all franchises. You got, I think Chick-fil-A is number one. And then number three, I think is Panera. Number four is this one called Tommy's Express Car Wash. And it's like three and a half million dollars per location. And so it's a very, you know, there's a lot of revenue that's produced by these, right? So if you can say there's okay, 150 stores, zero have failed. Here's kind of how these things are working. Here's, you know, there's a potential to take those and package them up and sell them to private equity once we get to 50 of them. So for investors, it's nice. You get some cash flow along the way. You also can get some upside participation with the sale if there's a sale in the future. Okay. Okay. So you're not looking for two to three car washes. It's you're trying to get 
who's your target buyer for that when you're when it's all done? Yeah, so private equity, private because again, it's like you know somebody if you have a one car wash and it's not going to be of interest. If I've got five hundred million dollars to spend, I don't want to buy one car wash. I want to buy a hundred of them, right? I want to buy a bunch of them. Like I want to spend. So that's again, and we see this in real estate too. If you have a higher valued, newer property in a nicer market or like a bigger market, you know, typically REITs are going to want to buy that. They have trouble buying. If you were to go to, you know, Tri-Cities, Washington, or you go to like some smaller area, Billings, Montana, there's fewer things to buy. There is fewer targets. But if you're in San Francisco or in Seattle or Portland, LA, like there's more stuff that they can buy and spend that on. And so it's the same type of thing. Once you have, you know, a lot of money, you have billions of dollars or tens or hundreds of billions of dollars, you've got to find targets to put to buy these things in. And so for, you know, these groups like BlackRock or some of these groups, they'll basically have targets like that was so that we need this much in this space, or we want to buy, you know, and what their goal would be to, you know, pay 20, 30 times earnings. And then can we keep expanding this? Can we grow the cash flow? Can we have this be a place where we're in businesses where there's an inflation hedge? We're also looking at, you know, just how we can grow long-term. And that makes sense. So for multifamily, I'd say the average IRR, if we're going to use that metric is anywhere from 15 to 20 plus, right? For an ATM business or a car wash investment, what would the target IRR be on something like that? I mean, it really depends on the deal. I mean, I think the IRR typically we see, you know, 15 to 25% kind of range depends. I mean, it, these are all projections, so they're not, I'm not having any specific deal, but it's within that range. It's usually like the ATM though has been more predictable and it's been, I don't know, 18, 19% kind of stuff. So it's been really to have that type of, you know, predictability has been nice. I mean, like I said, nothing is guaranteed, but we've just seen great performance from them in the past and we feel good about it for the future. I like that. I like that. So where's Bronson Equity going from here? Are you going to stick with ATMs and car washes, multifamily? Are you looking to expand into different asset classes? Yeah. So we've done some stuff in the oil and gas space as well. Oil and gas is very interesting because people typically invest because they're trying to solve a problem, right? So there's a few problems they're trying to solve. Usually it's I'm trying to grow my retirement. That's more of an appreciation play. I'm trying to get cash flow and replace my living expenses. That's cash flow, right? I want to reduce taxes. So for oil and gas, there's some things that really don't exist in any other investment, or it's very hard to find, where the government has said, if you're doing oil and gas drilling, if you invest in that, typically it varies, but around 80%, you can basically have that as a loss against sometimes even your ordinary income. Right. So I'm not giving anybody any tax advice, but somebody who's high earner, who's a doctor making a half million dollars a year or more, they can say, well, if I put money into this, this actually reduces my taxable income and I can get a good return on investment. Right. So it's basically doing two things for you. Right. It's providing cash flow and upside. So maybe you're getting a 15, 20, 25 percent on the upside, but you're also getting this tax savings of actually paying less tax today be able to invest and be able to write that, which is incredible. Right. So it's doing it kind of makes the IRR go to. 30, 40% sometimes, right? Because when you count those taxable benefits. So I think those are things that I find for a lot of people, particularly people, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the cash flow quadrant, right? So you've got the entrepreneur, you've got the self-employed, but those, you know, typically entrepreneurs and self-employed are paying 30 to 60% in taxes, right? So if you're a doctor, I used to work with a lot of doctors are typically in the S quadrant, they're paying a lot in taxes versus if you're an investor, you get to where you're paying zero. If you're a business owner, about 20%. So if you can find a way to do things on the other side of the equation, either to partner in some of these businesses, or maybe somebody's spouse can become a real estate professional, or like in this case with oil and gas, you can find, you can stay on that side, but you can find a way to 
find some benefit that can really help you reduce taxes. What I find for a lot of people is that's the best way to make more is to pay less in taxes. So when you say oil and gas, I heard you say drilling. Are you investing in companies that produce or drill? <laughs> or how do I mean, I've never even, this is the first time I've ever heard of anyone investing in oil and gas. I mean, not like buying a stock, but. Right. Actually, that's yeah. yeah. So there's different ways to do it. We've had a couple of things. We've did something in the past where we found a technology in the oil and gas space. So it's more kind of like a high upside. There's an engine, 40 year oil engineer, you know, found a way to drill for oil and gas, particularly in areas where they don't allow fracking. And there's lots of shale reserve, like in New York state where they don't allow fracking. So this is a higher risk deal, this particular one I'm mentioning, where it doesn't have the tax benefits that I mentioned before. So this is kind of, again, a different deal, but it has an upside of, you know, 10, 20, 100x type potential returns. That's like a much higher upside, but there's also more risk in something like that. A deal we're looking at now is more of a oil and gas rights drilling in, you know, buying a property where there's actually drilling going on by some of the largest oil companies in the world that are drilling. It's in the US. I can't talk too specifically about it, but there's the ability to basically say, okay, and if these guys want to drill more wells, you have the opportunity, the fund has the opportunity to participate in the drilling. So we can basically put some money in and also share in some of those profits as well. And so when you find a partner that has done very well, it used to be like, you know, you just did these horizontal drills and you go down and, you know, maybe half the time you wouldn't hit anything and it'd just be like a waste and you lose your money. Well, now they have the technology has improved so much. They can go in and they can tell pretty much like where their reserves are. And if they don't hit it on the way down, they can turn it, you know, drill down a little bit and go sideways and go diagonal. They can like, they can like rearrange this and do all this kind of horizontal drilling stuff. But yeah, so it's just basically similar to a syndication, but it's in the oil and gas space and it does offer benefits there. I think there are some caveats where, You've got to kind of know what you're doing and who you're working with because there are some disreputable people that are doing it or they're out there raising money in this space. You've got to kind of know a little bit about it. But it is interesting that the government has incentivized given special tax reduction just because they know, you know, we need energy. We need more energy. And as much as what's happening with our current administration, they're not as supportive of energy, but we need more and more energy, right? And this is a way to build up, create that. Very interesting. Well, Bronson, did I miss anything? Well, first of all, before we wrap up, you said you had a book coming out in September. Where are people going to be able to find that? That'll just be on Amazon. I think the best way that we can get connected just to individuals, I do have an ebook available and it's called How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage. So the official figure I think now is you know 6% or so or less inflation. I think it's more like 10 to 15% when you count an actual cost because a lot of these you know inflation figures, they just keep in my opinion, fudging the numbers to have them look better. But anyway, so there are some strategies you can use to take advantage of that. So my website, bronsonequity.com, we have a way to join for our deal uh, list. We also have that free ebook, How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage. I'm also on a bunch of different social medias as well at Bronson Hill. I saw that you have a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel. We do we have a podcast, a show called The Mailbox Money Show. So kind of like this, we're interviewing folks more on the passive investing side, just different asset classes, you know, we've had people on talking about all different types of you know franchises and you know different lending situation, how to you know different tax strategies, just things around this for passive investors of ways you know from people that are much smarter than me. Just how do we do this? How do we find out more about you know growing wealth, you know reducing taxes, and just really getting cash flow? You know, well that's awesome. We'll make sure all of that is included down in the show notes. Bronson, did I miss anything today during our conversation? 
I'm sure there's more we could talk about, man. I think one thing we didn't talk about was the golf clubs in the background there and you get down the course and, you know, 1.8 handicaps. That's pretty impressive, man. So we'll talk more golf. And we didn't talk about the PGA and live, you know, kind of how that went down the merger, but maybe that could be for another day. <laughs> I'm sure there's some syndication involved in that too, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. If we have enough money, we could just go buy them, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Bronson, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And I'm almost positive that people are going to take away that you don't have to just invest in real estate. There are other opportunities and investment vehicles out there that, you know, maybe you're a fund to fund like yourself, or you start to GP some of these other investment avenues and, you know, multifamily is great. That's what we're familiar with, but it's cool to see someone branching out from that, obviously still doing multifamily, but allowing and providing investors different opportunities in some of these other investment arenas, which is really cool. So thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me here. It was fun. Thanks for chatting. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. We hope that this episode has increased your knowledge and added value to your path to freedom. If you would, please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone that you know wants to be on, please visit westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form to be on the show. Thank you again and enjoy your day.